Welcome to Econoday Unplugged. Today is Tuesday, September 25th, 2018. With me today are Jeremy Hawkins in London and Mark Pender in the U.S. We are all I-Man Picker, Econoday's chief economist, and we are all vigiling the FOMC announcement tomorrow. Yes. Mark? Yes. Where do you start? Well, you start with a rate hike. I mean, it's almost certain. Um, so many indicators we're having uh, um, points to the, the risk of overheating. Just consumer confidence this morning, really, really, really very strong. The Fed has signaled this. It's in the books, and it's as good as done. The, uh, uh, what we'll be looking for is any indication in their forecasts or in Jerome Powell's comments that it may go uh, even further higher. Mark, is there yeah. any chance whatsoever that we could see a 50 basis point height rather than 25? Wow, well, that's a good that's a good question. Uh, I don't think so. I think they have to stick to their plan because their plan is so well laid out and so clear. And um, and there's always the risk now when rates go up. Uh, this word recession, people say, well, how can we be talking about recession? And the reason we're talking about recession is because uh, short-term interest rates are going up. And if they went up too fast, I think that that would risk uh, the Fed being uh, seen as perhaps irresponsible. So I really don't see – and we're not having as much inflation pressure. Actually, we're really having very little inflation pressure. Um, so uh, there's no urgency, I don't think, for a 50 basis point rate hike. But it would be interesting. Uh, that would be a great comment for the press uh, in tomorrow's press conference for um, uh, for the chairman. You know, needless to say, the FOMC's forecast will be closely parsed, as mm -hmm. will everything that Powell says tomorrow mm -hmm. in the pre press conference. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's going to be uh, an interesting, uh, like you say, a very, very closely watched uh uh, event and really, what we're we're looking for, I think, is it, I think where it's more on the margin. I think what uh, Jeremy's question was it was kind of a shock, but I think it's going to be more of a margin. It's uh, it has to be really because the the, the Trump administration is so um, you know uh, it's already come out and told the, the Fed to slow down. So I think what we're going to be looking for is a whether or not there's three there's one more pencil that after tomorrow's rate hike. And I say that with confidence. Um, the, there's one more penciled in, and that will be uh, probably in a December uh, meeting when there's an, another press conference and another set of FOMC forecasts. And, um, and that would be following uh, the other, uh, all the rate hikes this year, there's, there, uh, four of them are going to be scheduled, uh, and they, they hit on each one of these um, conferences. Now, Next year, there's only three right now that are penciled in on those FOMC forecasts. And these are forecasts compiled by the, the Fed, uh, the Federal Reserve, and the district banks. This is the, the entire institution's uh, forecast. If that moves up from three to four, that would be uh, a big negative for, I believe, uh, you know, uh, uh, risky assets or, or, you know, it, because it's going to signal uh, a greater chance of of a of a recession. Mark, sorry, hmm? Mark. Yeah? The press conferences go to every meeting beginning next year. Next year, mm -hmm. they would they won't be able to say okay when they have the press conference they'll increase rates. That's right. That's gonna that's and, gonna and pass. And so it's going to 
have a very interesting. It's going to make rate hikes or rate changes uh, in play every meeting now. That's uh, right. Which is going to make for more volatility. Volatility. It's going to, you know, uh, that might be uh, something that uh, they may regret or they could regret uh, in their uh, transparency efforts. Um, but, it, you know, it does give the Fed more prominence and it gives the chairman more prominence. So that's another positive. Uh, and to have the Federal Reserve is really an institution right now that is, uh, you know, on the conservative side, to say the least. We have so much froth, perhaps, uh, in the stock market, and so much uh, economic activity, so strong, uh, that um, it's almost like a voice of reason. So it's probably good to have more than less. Well, also, if you look around, you will see that other major central banks hold press conferences after every meeting. So the Fed is, has lagged in this respect. Hmm, yeah. Yeah. Mark, can I ask you a question so uh -huh. in terms of transparency with regard to the you know the dot plots or dot dot charts, whatever you want to call them? Uh -huh. I've seen there's been some talk about perhaps you know changing those or perhaps even you know actually annotating the visual dots according to you know who in particular was forecasting the yes. rate at that level at the time. Do you think there's any 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 mileage in that? No, I don't think so. They're not uh, moving to a monthly FOMC forecast yet. Uh, I think they would probably do that before they uh, remove the anonymity from the forecasts themselves. The forecasts really aren't that, uh, there's not a, a lot of separation. There's no, no shocking difference uh, among them. They're all within, you know, a, 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 you know, a, a reasonable range. Uh, and this reasonable range is definitely, uh, you know, moving up as far as interest rates go. So, um, you know, how much can the stock market withstand uh, fighting the Fed? And uh, what's interesting, if you look at the, the stock market's reaction to the Fed this year, going into all these rate hikes, it was very little reaction. And sometimes the, the, uh, the market actually rallies into a, into a rate hike. And I think that has to do with how transparent the Fed has become, that everyone knows exactly what it is that they're going to do. Jeremy? Okay. Um, well, I don't really have too much as about sort of interest rate policy over here since that seems to be pretty well set for the time being, uh, be it in continental Europe or the UK. What is driving investor interest? So obviously outside of the FOMC are some of the politics. And I've got to kick off with the latest on Brexit because that really is starting to boil up into something, well, potentially very important in the short term, let alone next year when we're supposed to be actually leaving the European Union. So last week's informal European Union leaders discussions um, in Salzburg that was supposed to be a much more conciliatory affair with the idea of coming out with some kind of general broad brush proposals which could be signed off when we get to the next full EU leaders summit that's due on October the 18th as it turned out though it came that well it turned out that um, Prime Minister May really came under quite considerable attack from most of the other other EU leaders and it's really been gone down as well a s significant surprise that you know the disagreement between the two were blatantly obvious as they were. Now, it's left May some, on something of the back foot um, as to what she's going to do now. And OK, we've got the next meeting to look forward to in October. But before then, there's going to be some very testing times in domestic politics. Now, we've had the Labour Party conference, so the principal opposition party. Uh, they've been holding their conference this week. Um, their Brexit policy has been in something of a complete mess, just like the Tories, but what appears to be merging at the moment is that it seems almost certain that they will decide to vote down 
uh, Prime Minister May's checkers deal. This is even assuming she can get the EU to agree with it in the first place. But let's just let, let's just assume that does happen. The opposition, a live indicator, they're going to vote that down. Now, the chances are if they were to do that because the government doesn't have a majority in Parliament, the thing could actually disappear. If that happens, then the Labour Party would no doubt hold a vote of confidence in the Prime Minister, which if they were to win, we could get early general elections happening before the end of the year. Um, even if they don't actually manage to get a vote of confidence, what they've indicated is a, a very good chance now that they will be pushing to hold a second referendum on the whole Brexit deal. Now, if this were to happen, would they get it through? Well, it, it's unclear because forget, don't forget that it's not just the Tory party, the government, which is split between Brexit and anti-Brexit people. Um, we've got the same for Labour as well. But it really does open a whole new can of worms. I think you know, not long ago, the idea of a second referendum was essentially a non-starter. But now it looks to be very much coming into the fore again. Next week... Uh, on, uh, Jeremy, yeah. I have a question. I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt. Um, it, it surprises me uh, that there is not a political divide uh, on Brexit. Uh, it is a nationalist, I think, right? It's an, it, it was the first of, of the, 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 the shot across the bow, really. And we're seeing, uh, you know, right wing uh, right uh, in Sweden. We're, we're seeing uh, yeah. a very strong. And, but, but this doesn't, um, it, it's a completely politically neutral um, pretty, pretty well it is. I mean, you can. I mean, I think both the Tory Party and the Labour Party are as, as near as damn it split down the middle, which is why it makes the whole thing so complicated. It's not simply we can say, well, Conservatives want this and the Labour Labour Party want that. That is nothing like the case, which of course makes it so difficult to say what's going to happen when we come to any particular parliamentary vote. But it does seem now, from what the Labour Party have said at this conference, is that they're looking to vote down the current Brexit proposals, and if that happens then you know, the idea of a second referendum or an early general election you know, very much uh, comes a realistic possibility again. Um, <clears throat> sorry, that's getting too much on the politics. I should mention that the Conservative Party conference, um, that will start this coming Sunday and the Prime Minister May is due to make her party address on the Wednesday and that's going to be a huge address. Somehow she's got to try and unite her party around her because if she comes out of that badly, chances are there will be a vote of confidence in the government which could go. So next Wednesday will be a hugely important address by the Prime Minister. Aside from that, I should also mention that it doesn't look like it's going to be as much an issue as it did a short while ago, and that's the Italian budget. Um, the current government is due to present um, its budget forecasts, both deficit forecasts and economic forecasts, uh, this Thursday. And uh, it's due to be followed by its presentation of a draft budget to the EU Commission by October the 15th. Now, in a nutshell, since we had this new five star um, Northern League coalition government coming in in March, the end of March, it's been really unclear what Italian fiscal policy stands for, bar the fact they want to reduce taxes and they want to, when they want to spend a good deal more. Now, why does that matter? Well, it matters because Italian government debt is already the second highest. In, Euro, in the European Union. It's running currently about 131% of GDP. And the EU Commission's line is that, look, you've really got to do something about it and get this debt ratio down. Now, were this government to come out and suggest that, well, we're not interested in reducing our deficit, we're quite happy to spend more and tax less with a view to getting the economy going again, and the EU Commission actually gave the nod to that, then it's going to open another can of worms because we're going to see all these other governments across 
across the European Union say, well, hang about, you made us reduce our budget deficit, et cetera, et cetera. Why aren't you making Italy do the same? And it becomes all the more important because next year, of course, we can have European parliamentary elections. And that's going to decide essentially the new lawmakers for the European Parliament. So what comes out of Italy and how the rest of the European unions take what EU Commission finally says is going to be instrumental in terms of the medium, medium term outlook for both the European Union politically, but particularly for European Union markets. So it says a lot of politics at the moment, but there's plenty of potential for volatility both in Europe, but particularly continued volatility in UK assets. Thank you, Jeremy. Thank you, Mark. To be continued next week.